Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Steps being taken to ensure that water quality is improved in Ireland to meet with the European Union guidelines on water quality. Import levies on fertiliser from the Russian Federation may be cut next month, saving Irish farmers about €12 a tonne on can. News correspondent Paul Mooney writes about this in this week's edition of the Irish Farmers Journal, dated Saturday 27th of October 2018. Paul Mooney has the background to this whole debate. Well, the background, John, going back would be that the European Union put these anti-dumping duties or taxes on ammonium nitrate, you know, nitrogen fertiliser from Russia, uh, which was being sold or offered uh, into Europe, the European market kind of at, at, at very competitive prices a number of, over about 20 years ago. And uh, that was done at the time, uh, John, just to protect the European fertiliser manufacturing companies and industry. Uh, time has moved on, uh, and, and IFA, uh, they're uh, close to two years ago now at this stage, um, put in a kind of a formal request into the European Commission stating that there was no longer any need for this protection of European fertiliser manufacturers, that they had achieved scale and become very profitable. And that, uh, in fact, these anti-dumping duties uh, were reducing the competitiveness of European and Irish uh, agriculture and, and farming and food, and um, were hurting Irish farmers quite badly, um, and costing costing uh, European farmers uh, to, uh, about one billion euros per annum, which is obviously a, a huge amount. Uh, so, so this was a formal request to abolish those anti-dumping duties. And the story has slowly moved on there. Uh, the, the European Commission agreed to do a review, uh, has, has carried that out now, and at the end of that review process uh, announced then that it was proposing to cut these taxes on imported ammonium nitrate, nitrogen fertilizer by one-third. So, of course, you know, that in itself is welcome because it will tend to put downwards, it will tend to increase competition in the European fertiliser market and, and that in turn will tend to put downward pressure on prices, which is what farmers want. Quite apart from political considerations, it really suited these people to have uh, the market to themselves and to price out the Russians completely if they could. Yes, and not surprisingly, the, the European uh, fertilizer manufacturers uh, would have counter-lobbied against this proposal very strongly. 
Um, and there's been quite a battle, I suppose, behind the scenes of lobbying in the corridors of Brussels, the usual place, uh, over the past 12 months on this particular issue. So what's happened now is that the Commission came forward with this proposal of a 30% cut. Um, it then it, it went for a, it went to a vote of member states, you know, at official level uh, in in the departments uh, involved with trade and competition, and uh, the Commission proposal for a cut was approved. Narrowly, now as it turns out, just by 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 um, a majority of one among the member states, so that does indicate there was a, a strong amount of counter lobbying. So uh, it goes. There are many steps, of course, in this, as always, uh, when, when there's legislation involved. So that the next kind of and final step is that it goes from from that committee vote to the whole commission, the team of European commissioners, uh, for them to sign off on it. And it would be normal for EU commissioners to, to approve a proposal that has been brought forward by you know, one of their own colleagues, in a sense. You know? um, so that, that's, that's due to happen over coming days. And then the decision will be uh, formally published in the, in the European Union Journal, uh, which is where these things become formal and become become law and, uh, and will take uh, take immediate effect uh, and hopefully uh, farmers will be hoping then that it will tend to drive uh, increased competition and drive down prices. In your article uh, Paul you say that it could be early next month we might very well find out that this um, information will be published in the European Union's official journal following the proposal coming before the EU College of Commissioners that sounds a bit like the American electoral system but it would appear that as soon as a few weeks time early next month we might have the answer and again in your article you mentioned more than once that this is worth a billion euro to European farmers and the IFA say that this 30% uh, cut should be even higher so we're talking about a billion euro saving for European farmers. If the anti-dumping duties were fully abolished then that is the potential that could be kicked around in terms of reducing uh, you know, the costs on European farmers. Of course, the Commission is proposing just to partially remove the anti-dumping duties by about uh, 30%. Um, uh, so, so IFA, uh, you know, I'm sure they're very glad to get any reduction, but they've, they've kind of came back and they're still arguing that that's not enough and they want a, a bigger reduction. And incidentally, um, all of these uh, taxes, such as these special taxes, anti-dumping taxes and duties, they do come up for a kind of a periodic review anyway. So uh, the, the particular anti-dumping duties on Russian ammonium nitrate will be coming up for a periodic review in 2019. So without a doubt, uh, all sides will go at this again. Hell for leather, uh, the farm organizations, including IFA, will be trying to get uh, a further reduction or even just to get these anti-dumping duties fully abolished. Uh, with the hope that there could be significant savings then for European farmers. So that'll be, that'll be a story for mid-2019 onwards. The Russian situation has changed slightly in recent years due to various embargoes and sanctions and things like that. The Russians themselves, they've begun to use a lot of their own fertiliser, so they don't find themselves with uh, all that much fertiliser on hand because they've been forced to try and do things for themselves and to try and uh, grow things themselves. And we know how the West is, um, paradoxically, forcing the Russians to try and learn more about agriculture and to produce things and, of course, use up this fertiliser of which they have plentiful supplies. Yes, absolutely. I mean, political political sanctions and pressures and measures taken, you know, uh, at political level against, against countries, uh, including, in this case, against Russia, you know, do take effect and affect farmers and, and Russian agriculture seems to have upped its game and increased its output and they absolutely are using more of the fertiliser produced by, you know, from the Russian 
um, whether, whether it's fertilizer mines uh, for, for, for P's and K's or whether it's uh, from uh, Russian gas fields that, that are involved in production of nitrogen type fertilizers, they're using more of the fertilizer that they produce themselves. Nonetheless, uh, they do export and European farmers will be hoping uh, that uh, Russia will offer in uh, competitively priced uh, fertilizer into Europe, uh, you know, and, and and help farmers in the process of doing so. But uh, it's a situation that you know it's fluid, obviously, and changes changes from month to month and year to year. The one third cut in duties would equate to approximately twelve euro a ton on can. So twelve euro a ton on can saving would be very important and uh, something people could welcome with open arms. Absolutely, any little force. A reducing input costs for farmers is very welcome for farmers. Um, you know, fertilizer price, of course, is set by many different factors, some pushing price upwards, some pushing price downwards. Uh, this is one that hopefully will push price downwards when it's announced next month, and uh, that's to be welcomed. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Paul Mooney, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, and your article regarding this situation, EU set to cut fertilizer tax in this week's edition of the Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. For listeners wishing to read the full article by Paul Mooney, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, that's on page 14, news section of the Irish Farmers Journal, dated Saturday, 27th of October, 2018. And for the other side of the situation, turning to the agribusiness section of the Irish Farmers Journal, page 19, Saturday, 27th of October, the questions posed there by Owen Lowry, agribusiness editor, in a full-page review of the fertiliser price situation. Owen Lowry poses the question, are we entering a period of fertiliser price rises? And there's a very detailed analysis there by Owen Lowry on page 19, Agribusiness, Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 27th of October, the possible threat of price increases to be weighed up against the very optimistic situation now forming in the European Union, where the fertiliser tax may be reduced, saving EU farmers €1 billion. But of course, it's a balanced situation there, and we would hope that the outcome on balance, EU farmers, Irish farmers, will be paying less for their fertiliser in the next month or so. With details of some upcoming events, Mr Seamus Lorden, Chagask Dairy Advisor, Coldrum McCroom. Uh, yes, John. Um, we have a few events coming up in the, I suppose, um, over the Cork West and Cork uh, East region there over the next few weeks. So um, just to let you know, uh, the first one there is there's an autumn grass tin sheep uh, walk on the farm of Kieran Daly in Doris in Bantry. And that's on Tuesday, the 30th of October at 2 p.m. Um, look, I suppose what will be covered there is autumn grassland management and winter and a winter fodder plan. And it will be signposted from Doris Village. Uh, the speakers on the day will include Kieran himself um, and also Michael Gottstein, who's head of sheep in Chagas, Philip Creighton, who's a research officer uh, in the Chagas uh, Atenry, and... Uh, the local sheep advisor there in the area be David Purcell, uh, based in Skibbereen. So that's um, on Tuesday, the 30th of October at 2 p.m. I'll just give you the air code there. It will be signposted from Doris Village anyway, but um, the air code is P75AY81. So that's the air code available anyway. So that's the first one anyway. So for any sheep farmer in the area, to be well worth going to um, the one there in Doris. Um, so... 
Next one then, it's um, at Chagas Animal Health Ireland, um, kind of, they've organised two cell check on farm events in West Cork. They're on the 5th of November in, um, I suppose, supported by Carberry, and that'll be held in Dara Agricultural College, uh, Tlanakilty at 2pm. And the second one is on the 6th of November, um, again, that's the Chagas Animal Health Ireland, and it's supported by Drina Co-op. And this time it's on the farm of Donald O'Connor, uh, Ray Vowler, uh, Drina, and that's also at 2 o'clock. So I suppose just letting you know what will be covered on the day. Um, I suppose there are a number of topics really, and I suppose to start with, it's the what is the best way to dry off a cow. They're going to have a practical demonstration of drying off cows there, including teeth preparation and all that. So that'll be one of the things. I suppose another thing too, which I suppose is very topical really, is the role of selective dry cow therapy um, with a growing focus on on responsible antibiotic use. So um, I suppose on the day they'll be saying, should you consider it or not? And they'll go through how you decide um, whether you can can use selective dry cow therapy or not. Um, Another area will be, uh, I suppose, it's uh, trying to reduce the risk of mastitis there on the in-calf heifers. So I suppose they go through that learn about the pros and cons of various management practices um, which which might be suitable. And the fourth one then is how best to look after your dry cow. So they'll all be covered on the day, on both days, sorry. So they're on the 5th of November in Dara Agricultural College um, at 2 p.m. and in on the farm of Donald O'Connor, Drina, at 2 p.m. on the 6th of November. An options course, There's uh, in the Cork region, there's one of them running at the moment, and that's in the Skibbereen. Um, and the, f- the second day of that course will take place on next Wednesday, the 31st of October, uh, and that's based in the, in the West Cork Hotel. And look, it's uh, artisan food production mainly on the day, and we'll have a speaker from Leader as well talking. But it, it's just uh, going through the pros and cons there of what people will have a few artisan producers themselves there on the day and just going through of um, their experience and, um, I suppose, um, the le- le- lessons they've learned over the years. So that is one. And the second one then is for people in the northern half of the county. Um, there's uh, opportunities in agriculture, uh, agritourism and artisan food production, and that's um, taking place. That's taking place in the Mallow office, and that's starting Thursday the 1st of November, and that's running over three evenings and one day. So it's going to be every Thursday for the next three weeks, and then one Thursday day trip out. So it's four consecutive Thursdays. Three of them are going to be evening meetings from 7 to uh, 10 p.m. And the fourth day will be a, a day out to a farm. So there are the three. Now, if you have, um, or if you were interested in the one in Mallow, you just contact the Cantork office and they'll give you further details and to book a place. And the number there is 029-50886. So that's 029-50886. That certainly sounds good, especially the options courses. They're very, very popular indeed, and I think the McCroom one went very well this year again. And now we have Skibbereen still available, Skibbereen booking there. Essential to book in advance, and that's upcoming 30th of October. And important, of course, and very, very helpful, you have people who have been on these courses, they've implemented schemes, and they give some very helpful advice to people contemplating or thinking of going on the course. And uh, so very important to have people who've 
been involved in the courses, they've made a success of the course, and they can come along and show people how to avoid some of the less obvious uh, pitfalls and in that way help the whole concept of uh, options courses. That's correct, John, and I suppose when you think of it really like the idea behind it is to introduce people to, I suppose, new ideas, uh, you know, across the rural tourism and food diversification, and also, I suppose, you know, they're good to give farmers um, guidelines in regard to business planning and management, marketing, and also applying for grants that are available out there, you know, um, so all that will be covered and more in the options course. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Seamus Lord and Dairy Advisor Chagas Kodrum Akroom in County Cork. Thank you very much indeed, Seamus. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. The Cork East Ploughing Association PRO, Mr. Philip Cotter, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Philip, you have details of your own area's ploughing match tomorrow. You look back at Bantir results from last week and just a recap on a rather older match, Kilbrin, and the appearance of a new young teenage ploughing star, Miss Orla Hayes. Thanks very much, John. That's correct. Um, Kilbrin was held on the 14th and... I'll just give you the results quickly. The senior, Michael Linehan. Second, Thomas Offlane. Third, Michael Hannon. And fourth, Billy Tavent. And the intermediate, first, Michael John Delane. Second, John Molyneux. And third, Don O'Connell. Under 28, one competitor there, Keen Cahan. And uh, the beginner, two for her. One little teenager coming up there. And Sean Gray Promise, all the hayes. The three for her, Pat O'Reardon. And the uh, vintage single furrow, first Trevor Fleming, second Damien Hearn, and the vintage hydraulic, first Walter Moroni, second Daniel Donohoe, and third Phelan Cotter. Those are results from Kilbrain on the 14th. We'll now move on to Bantir last Sunday, and these are the results from Bantir. A uh, lovely day and a lovely size and a nice turnout. And in the senior, first Dermot Hoflin, second Billy Tarrant, third Michael Hannon, and fourth Joe Tomey. The intermediate, first Michael John Delane, second Owen O'Sullivan, and third Don O'Connell. Under 28, Keen Cahan, and the Makra, Dave Murphy, one competitor there as well. And there's teenager Orla Hayes in the novice and the beginners again. The three for her, first Pat O'Reardon, second Jimmy Barris, and reversible two for her, first Perry Harrington. Vintage hydraulic, first Phelan Cother, second Walter Moroni, and third Danny O'Donoghue. And in the single for her vintage, first Trevor Fleming, second Damien Hearn, and horses Jeremiah Delaney, one competitor in that class. So those are the results from Bantier last Sunday. And we move forward to tomorrow, the 28th, to my own local territory, Tupper House. And our match is being held on the lands of Coleman Cronin, Ballybeg, by his kind permission. And we are deeply indebted to Coley for the past number of years. He's been very obliging to us and has given us land each year. And th- this venue is uh, just in the same place as last year, just up the main Mallow Limerick Road to just go through to New Tupper House and the next cross, Oharash Cross. There'll be signs there anyway to just a few hundred metres from Boharash Cross. So, commencing at 11 a.m., as you know, John, our time changes um, tonight. So, for tomorrow, we need to be started for 11 a.m. The draw will take place in the field. So, we're asking all competitors 
hoping to plow, if at all possible, be in the field by 10 a.m. So that we'll get the draw made and get started for 11 because the old time is in and we need to get go uh, at 11 definitely. So that's uh, Tuber House tomorrow, the 28th at Coleman Cronin's Valley Bay uh, at 11 a.m. Thanks very much, John. And thank you very much indeed, Philip. And of course, it's great to see that young rising star we'll mention again, Orla Hayes. She's she she very promising and she's made, done a great account of this. She's only done two matches yet, so we're looking forward to the future and uh, a rising star coming through, as you say, John. That's fantastic. And we'll have results from your own specific area, from uh, Tupot House, New Tupot House, that area, tomorrow Sunday's match. Philip Cotter, PRO, Cork East, Ploughing Association. Thank you, Philip, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Yeah. Thanks very much, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr. Leslie Dwyer, technical advisor with Slurry Cal, an Irish-made uh, product. First of all, Leslie, welcome to the programme. Now, your product, we have been talking about this before we began broadcasting. You described it as a dual-purpose product, but looking at the different properties you've described your products capable of providing for farmers, it would appear to be, rather than dual-purpose, it would be a multi-purpose product. So, welcome back to the programme, Leslie, and could you kindly outline Slurry Cal properties and uses on the farm. Hi John, Slurry Cal is a product that's manufactured uh, by McGrath's Limestone in County Mayo. Uh, it was first launched in the market back in 2015, uh, so this would be our fourth season uh, on the market. Uh, Slurry Cal is a first of its kind product. It's a, a like you say, I call it dual purpose or you call it multi-purpose. It's a multi-purpose uh, cubicle lime and slurry enhancer. Um, like I say, we're heading now into our fourth season with it, and we've had farmers uh, using it for the past three seasons, and they've seen the many benefits with it, and they're coming back year on year and um, happy with the results. Basically, what it is, John, is a uh, slurry cal is um, a cubicle lime. It's uh, it's applied as a cubicle lime on dairy farms. It is uh, it's a hydrated blend, a ten percent blend of hydrated lime with a pine disinfectant and very finely ground limestone. So in terms of cubicle hygiene, it uh, provides uh, great drying on the cubicle bed without being excessively dry on cow's teats. Um, it kills all mastitis caused in bacteria as it has a pH of 12. And um, it's, it's, not, it's a pretty user-friendly product to use. It, uh, there's very little dust, so it's, it's kind uh, for the man putting out the cubicle line and kind for the cows that are, that are in the shed itself. What's unique about Slurry Cal is we have added very specific ingredients into it. And what they do is when it's uh, brushed down or swept down. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The cubicle makes its way into the slurry tank. It effectively uh, stops the tanks from crusting up. It, it provides uh, or provokes a, an aerobic uh, reaction in the tank. So it stops tanks from crusting up. It um, keeps them mixed up so its uh, agitation time and cost is reduced significantly, up to 75%. Cuts down the smells and it uh, pr- promotes um, activity that basically protects the nutrients in the slurry, particularly the nitrogen, the sulfur and the phosphorus. So it's, a, it's an all-round multi-purpose cubicle lime and slurry enhancer. That certainly sounds uh, very, very attractive indeed, all of those um, properties in one product. But again, you're not finished after the slurry runoff occurs into the tanks, providing that uh, very valuable function of avoiding encrusting, etc., in its end function, it ends up promoting grass growth. You might say a few words about uh, the last uh, useful aspect of your product, Slurry Cal, about the grass growth element. Yeah, if, if you analyse slurry, you can have you can have anything up to about twenty-five units of nitrogen uh, per thousand gallons, but um, normally only up to fifteen of this is available. Uh, what we have um, users re- users reporting back to us that they are getting a significantly higher uh, kick in grass growth and grass recovery where the slurry, the treated slurry, the slurry cat treated slurry is applied onto grazing ground and indeed silage ground. And the, the basis behind that is the, the biology that we promote in the slurry tanks bind the nitrogen into a, a type of a microbial nitrogen. So um, uh, less ammonia is emitted, hence the reduction in smells where the, when the, treat, the slurry is treated. And, and it also reduces the amount of sulfur that's, um, that's emitted. And sulfur is a very important nutrient um, in soils to basically help nitrogen get utilized and help with grass growth. And the other big benefit is the, the biology we promote in the slurry. There's a synergy between the biology in the slurry and the biology in soil. Soil biology is an area that many people don't talk about, and many, many, even indeed some people um, barely uh, barely know about. But biology plays an important part in getting uh, nutrients into plants. And the biology we promote in the slurry helps um, the biology in the soil to flourish. And over time, um, particularly in the last uh, this, this season, users have noticed uh, effects in their soil, positive effects. And um, so it helps both the soil biology, helps the grass growth, and helps indeed it actually helps the earthworms, which provide a, a, a valuable function in our soils to help keep our soils um, aerated and, uh, and drained. So working hand in hand with uh, nature, we all know the great function of worms and any product which mixes with the soil and doesn't kill or damage the biology or specifically the worms, well then that's working very much with nature, the worms aerating the soils as they've done for, well, I suppose millions of years really. Yes, they, 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 they do. They call them the workhorses of, of the soil. They, they, they provide a valuable function and earthworms indeed when when they when they pass through the soil and they and they and they eat the matter that they're that they're passing through uh, they actually neutralize the ph in it they can put the nutrient uh, contents 
up nitrogen up to five times higher in the in what they pass through phosphorus content seven times higher and potash content up to 10 times higher. So earthworms do a lot of work, a lot of good in our soils and anything we can do to help them to um, uh, to, to promote their, their growth and uh, to promote their life and their longevity in the soil is a benefit long term for soil health on farms, John, indeed. Could you please remind our listeners which part of Cork County you've become best established in? We kicked off our sales campaign the first year in West Cork. Uh, we were pretty well established down there with the West Cork co-ops, with the four co-ops, and we got very good uptake on year one, and sales increased, and uh, farmers, word of mouth got around that the product uh, was working, was doing what we uh, what we had set out. So the product is stocked in all the West Cork co-ops, and in a lot of independent merchants throughout the county, and indeed throughout the, the, the Munster counties. Um, I'm available for uh, for any technical queries or any any um, any queries that any farmer has that's uh, using it or considering using it. And my number is 087-8288-542. And if they contact you at that number, they're your own direct line, 087-8288-542, then you'd be willing to talk to them as a technical advisor because we're speaking in very general terms, but perhaps there are people experts within the retail outlets who'd like to find out more from you about the very broad details we've given out here and in that way be convinced it would be worth uh, stocking. The name of the product Sluricalcal, uh, S-L-U-R-R-Y-C-A-L. That's all the one word, it's part of the Farmcal um, range of products that McGrath from Mayo uh, have on the market. So Slurrycal is, is one of those uh, products that they produce in Congan County Mayo. Very soon you'll be four full years on the market. Yeah, four full years, time slime by. Uh, thankfully, it's grown, words getting around. We sent our first shipment to the UK this week. Um, and uh, yeah, word of mouth is, uh, is helping us. Farms are talking, farmers are talking about it. And uh, we were at the dairy show with very, very positive feedback from farmers right uh, in, in from Kerry, Cork, Limerick. And the product is, is, is performing as expected. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Leslie Dwyer. The you, technical John. advisor with Storycal. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Listeners to the farm programme who are registered ICMSA members are invited to phone the following number to nominate a Cork student, male or female, at one of these agricultural colleges Clonakilty, Kildalton, Palace Kenry, Gertin, Mount Bellew, or Ballyhays. Four scholarships to the value of €1,500 each will be raffled. The scholarships are courtesy of the ICMSA's John Feely Foundation. And that phone number for further information or to nominate a student at one of those colleges, 061-314-677. That's 061-314-677. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Sarah Vero, Research Officer with Chagask Johnstown Castle in County Wexford. First of all, Sarah, welcome to the programme. Now, you've agreed to talk to our listeners regarding the Agricultural Catchments Area programme, essentially dealing with water quality and focusing for the purposes of our interview today on the Timberley Catchment Area in Cork West. Could you comment on the quality of Irish water in general vis-a-vis our European Union commitments. First of all, thank you very much for having me, John. Irish Water, we're members of the European Union, and as a member state, we are under a piece of legislation called the Water Framework Directive. 
And part of what this directive does is it sets goals and measurable targets for us to assess how good our water is. Because, I, I mean, you can't, it's not something you can tell simply by looking at it. There is no visual assessment, really. So when we assess our water quality, um, we, we measure specific nutrients, specific chemicals, specific contaminants, and we also assess the ec- ecology of the river, what's, what bugs, what fish, what insects uh, are living in and around it. So for us who are working or related to agriculture, the primary things we are usually thinking of in terms of water quality are phosphorus and nitrogen. And on, overall, we do have some good things to say about Irish water quality. We see an overall decline in the nutrient loading of rivers um, over the past 25 years. That was the result of the latest EPA water quality report. And another big win is that we have a big improvement in those very poor quality rivers. In 1990, there were 91 rivers classed as being at poor quality, and there's only five now. But on the other hand, there are things that we need to be concerned about. We have a significant and quite frightening loss in the pristine water bodies, those water bodies which are utterly unimpacted by uh, human activity. In 1990, there were 13.4% of water bodies at this super high level uh, of quality, and there's less than 1% now. And 26% of our rivers are exceeding the threshold for phosphorus that is set for us by the European Union. That threshold is 0.035 milligrams per litre. So it's a very, very small amount of phosphorus, but it has big ecological impacts. Your studies, the Chagas studies on water quality and more detailed studies in some specific areas is based on what we were talking about before we began broadcasting, the Agricultural Catchments Programme. How many catchments are there? What do they actually do? And could you refer to the type of application that uh, Chagas would have with these catchments in terms of uh, researchers, technicians Mm -hmm. and advisors? Of course, you are speaking as Ms. Sarah Vero, a research officer, an actual research officer based at Johnstown Castle, Chagas in County Wexford. That's right. Well, the Agricultural Catchments Programme is here to evaluate how well we are addressing the issue of water quality as a country. So we were set up in 2008 as a programme, so we've been running for about 10 years now. And we're looking at it. The Nitrate Action Plan is the national plan for improving and maintaining water quality. So we need to see, are we hitting our goals and are the methods that we've selected to do so, are they effective or not? And are they equally effective everywhere? Because, I mean, the, the soil and the climate you have down there in beautiful, sunny West Cork is rather different than what we have in, say, the rainy West on our karst catchments or even in, in the heavy soils scattered throughout Ireland. Um, so because of this diversity of land types and the diversity of weather that we see across Ireland, we have a number of different study catchments. We actually have six study catchments. And in each of these catchments, we have instruments that take a water sample every 10 minutes. So it's a super high resolution monitoring of the water quality. We call this our outlet. And you might have seen it if you've driven through Timaleague. It's a, it's a green box by the side of the river. But actually, it's, a, it's some very high-tech stuff. It's essentially an outdoor laboratory. In addition to measuring the water quality, we take careful track of the weather and we are also collaborating with the farmers in terms of what nutrients are on their farm. We take soil surveys ongoingly. Um, it's, a, it's a very kind of multidisciplinary team. 
And to that end, we have a total of 16 staff, and that's divided between uh, kind of scientific researchers and socioeconomic researchers. We have technical staff who maintain the actual uh, measuring devices in the catchments and in the laboratories. And we have farm advisors, and they have... They are essentially a two-way system for feeding information from us out to the farmers and critically from bringing information from the farmers back to us, telling us what exactly they're doing, what are they seeing as effective on their farms. And that brings us to what is much more important than the 16 members of staff we have are the 300 farmers, over 300 farmers in fact, who are collaborating with us as part of this programme. And what these farmers do is they tell us what they're up to, what what growth they're seeing, what nutrients they're applying, and as well as that, they allow us to conduct studies on their farms. So, you know, it could be a critique of science sometimes that it's done in the laboratory or in a study farm, and how well does that really reflect a farmer with all the challenges and the environment that he is in? But because we are out on the real farms, it's a real-life snapshot, a real demonstration of how water quality and agronomy are working together. In our conversation, you've referred to Timaleague in mm-hmm. West Cork. You've referred to Timaleague as an area where you have this green box, the monitoring, the outdoor lab, as it were, a very, very complex piece of equipment, but very effective. Could you, Sarah, just remind us why you would have been working in Timaleague in West Cork? What would attract you to that part? Is it a very representative part of uh, Cork and uh, of Ireland and the Irish agri-landscape in general? Sure. Well, t- Look, all of our six catchments are important because they all reflect a different land use type. And that was there was a very careful and rigorous selection procedure was conducted in 2008 to identify these catchments. But Timaleague is actually one of the catchments in which we've done the most research and we've published the most papers in relation to that catchment. And the reason for that is that it is a freely drained, relatively high intensity grassland dairy area. It's really the heart of Irish agriculture, these type of uh, catchments and it represents a huge amount of farmers and it's an area that's likely to increase in productivity. So it's particularly critical that we have a, a close handle on how to maintain the water quality which is likely to become under increased pressure as agricultural productivity ramps up in line with Foodwise 2020 and Food Harvest 2025. Farmers are actively involved. It's not a question of farmers regarding any bit of constraint on production or volume as being anti-farmer, anti-agriculture. So you have active involvement by farmers, close cooperation and appreciation by farmers of water because that's what we're selling abroad, the image of food produced in a very green, clean Mm -hmm. situation. Farmers are cooperating. What would some of the main pollutants be nitrates i think you mentioned nitrates and nutrients but could you elaborate on that the, the main areas of potential pollution of our water streams so so two things first of all in relation to the farmer collaboration you're a hundred percent correct it is it is the farmer's collaboration that allows the project to go forward but also the farmers are really stewards of the environment they are the first people who are having an influence and having a positive influence and, and striving to do the right thing in relation to uh, maintaining our water quality. And as you said, that's really what's supporting our um, success abroad in terms of the overseas markets. I recently did a period of research over in Kansas, and I was always delighted to see Dairy Gold and Kerry Gold Butter selling for 5 and $6 a pound. That just shows how strong our green image really is as a, as a proponent and as an advertisement for Irish outputs. 
in relation to the nutrients, we're primarily concerned with agriculture from a, from a, from a water quality perspective with nitrogen and phosphorus. And of course, every farmer will be familiar with those as what you see in your bags of 10, 10, 20 and what, what you want to be putting out uh, via your slurries uh, when it comes to uh, manure applications for fertilizer purposes. And these two nutrients behave in the environment very, very differently. But both of them, when they're present in combination in a water body, can promote algal blooms, microbial uh, growth, and other negative aspects that might lower the quality of that water. Now, when you're talking about what nu- how the nutrients get to the water, you need to think about two things, broadly speaking. You need to think about how does that nutrient like to behave? What sort of a chemical is it? Nitrogen, for example, is uh, it's non-attenuating. And, and in, in simple terms, that means it doesn't like to stick around. It doesn't stick to soil particles very well. It's very, very mobile. So if water is present, it's liable to be washed vertically through the soil profile and down into your groundwater below. And so we can all imagine a plant, its plant roots are maybe 20 to 30 centimetres deep. If the nitrogen goes below that level, well, the plant simply can't get it. It offers no bonus for yields to the farmer, and it is only going to move straight from there to the groundwater, which we extract to drink from, from our domestic wells, and also feeds our rivers. Phosphorus, however, is a very, very different nutrient. It is attenuating. It's sticky. It likes to stick onto particles. But if you have heavy rainfall, you get overland flow, and those particles can get physically, those soil particles, that is, can get physically detached from the surface and brought to the water. And phosphorus has a really, phosphorus is really more important than nitrogen when it comes to fresh water, when it comes to our rivers and lakes. Nitrogen is more of an issue when it comes to uh, an addition to the sea, which is already rich in phosphorus. So, for example, Court McSherry Bay, which receives the which receives the Irrigadine River and water from the Timaleague catchment, that has a significant water quality problem, and part of that is coming from nitrogen, but also part of it is coming from the wastewater treatment issues in the area. The other issue in terms of uh, nutrient behaviour in a catchment is that you have some soils are very, very freely draining. And that's what we see in Timaleague. And by freely draining, I mean water can move very, very quickly and very easily through the soil profile. So it's prone to leaching. That is the movement of nutrients vertically. Other soil types, such as what we see in our Ballycanoe catchment in East Wexford or our Dunlear catchment in County Louth, is that they have heavier soil types. The soil is heavier, more rich in clay particles. And these clay particles don't allow water to move through the soil. What they actually encourage is runoff. And it's a much more rapid form of nutrient loss. Um, and it just behaves in a different way. So depending on what nutrients you're talking about and depending on your soil type, it'll be a different solution. There is no one size fits all. Now, you referred to leaching and perhaps it's a secondary problem. You are doing everything you can to monitor water quality in our mm-hmm. rivers and Farmers are doing their best to stop pollution and stop the escape of nutrients into waterways or into the soil. But something, a secondary issue, but perhaps an unknown quantity really, around the country there are sprinkles, they've been used for many years, there are sprinkles, these historic landfill sites are far away from rivers. You could still have leaching and last spring might be a good example of how exceptionally wet weather might cause leaching from historic landfill sites. 
Yes, um, I suppose that's not something that we've addressed directly as part of the catchments programme because we've really been focusing on the agricultural end of things. But you're quite right, um, domestic and other anthropogenic sources, anything to do with humans, can produce pollutants and they are just as vulnerable as an agricultural source of nutrients to leaching. I suppose one of the big issues we have with landfill sites is that it's not necessarily simply nutrients. It could be any other contaminants. It could be heavy metals, which is a very, very big issue because of their very high toxicity. It could be pesticides from particular areas, um, any chemical, really. In fact, it's very, very interesting. We're increasingly seeing, not in the catchment program, but in other similar projects across the world, caffeine in our water bodies. And that can only come from humans because we're the only uh, creature on Earth which consumes caffeine, at least deliberately in that way. Um, so, the, yes, there's a whole variety, a whole spectrum of potential contaminant sources. Um, and we have to remember also that when it comes to a river or when it comes to groundwater, it's never just an agricultural source or it's never just a, a coming from cities. It's never just coming from septic tanks or wastewater treatment or landfills. All of these things are present in the environment together. So really, it's not a case of, well, this is a farmer's problem and the farmers have to get their act together. Far from it. Everyone has a responsibility when it comes to water quality. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah Vero, research officer based at Johnstown Castle in Wexford, working with the Agricultural Catchments Programme and focusing on the Timaleague catchment area in our interview. The full interview with Sarah Vero in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11pm. That's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls. And as always, thanks for listening and have an enjoyable holiday weekend. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.